Today, uh, our passage is in Psalms 119, verse 105. If you want to turn to that, you know, every once in a while you need to mark a verse that's important, that says something that we really ought to all know. That's, uh, that's one of those verses. If you can mark it in your Bible, that would be good. The title of my message is Our Wonderful Bible. Our Wonderful Bible. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my way. This verse is true for a person, for a church, for a nation. The setting of the verse is a person walking through a very dark area where they can't see. They're about to stumble and fall and they can't uh, figure out which way to go because it's dark. They just uh, don't know what to do. Many of you have walked that same path. Perhaps there's one or two in the service today And you're on that path. You're kind of stumbling through and you know it. And you need to have a clear light to guide you. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. Some, obviously, are really having a hard time with this uncertain path. Particular problems have jumped up in front of you. Maybe just recently something bad has happened and you don't know how to deal with it. Many of you that are here this morning have passed through uncertain gates. And you're not sure exactly what to do now. You're moving into the next section of your life. You know that. Things have changed. You're moving this way. And the path is not all clear. Sometimes it gets very, very dark. And you don't know what to do. You don't know uh, to whom to close. Uh, you know, sometimes we just really need to have the Lord to lead us when we get in that close situation where we just feel like we're boxed in and we can't get out of it. Many of you uh, are here today are en route to a new life. You know, that happens along the way. Something will happen and your life will rapidly change. Well, what guides you in that? Uh, Your next door neighbor? That can be a real mistake. Uh, The people down the street, the people that you work with, your relatives? Or could it be, can it be, the Word of God? The Word of God, our wonderful Bible that speaks to us about all the situations of life. Sometimes it seems like there are no buoys, there are no lighthouses to help us, we have perhaps been in the awkward position of traveling through life and really not knowing where you were going along the way. Before your life ends, whether everything has fallen just into the right space or not, you're going to be there. You're going to be at a time, a place in your life before you die that will be critical. And you're going to need to make some decisions about what to do, what to be, what to say. All of those things are important. Without a lamp, a light to point the way, the traveler certainly will stumble and fall. But with the light, he can avoid the pitfalls, the stumbling stones, and arrive safely at his destination. The lamp or the light that is talked about here is the Word of God, the Holy Scripture, our wonderful Bible. 
That's what we're talking about. When we mention the light, the lamp that guides us. I remember being in Carlsbad Cavern when they turned the lights out. That was really scary. It was so dark, you could never, ever find your way out of there if they didn't turn on the lights or if they didn't have flashlights going or something. But you get way down in there, they turn off all the lights, and you don't want to move your feet because you think you might fall off into something or you might run a stalagmite or a stalactite right through your head or something uh, horrible. Uh, you don't want to do that. How many of you have been to Carlsbad Cavern? whole bunch of you. It's something in it. Did they turn the light out when you were there? I bet they did. They always do that, I think. There's another place that's like that right outside of Chattanooga where I grew up. A lookout mountain, Ruby Falls. And in Ruby Falls, you walk down a long path, and finally you get down there, and there's a waterfall inside the mountain. And they have different colored lights behind it. And, of course, it's just real beautiful and it's real meaningful. And then they turn the lights off. And it's the same thing. You know, you're thinking, I better not move because I'll certainly hurt myself. No way you could get out of there if they turn off all the lights and don't turn any of them back on. Without a lamp, without electricity, we can't find our way geographically or in our house or somewhere. But, you know, we want to talk about something kind of on the next level. Not just where to take your next step physically, but where to take your next step spiritually. Life is like uh, that for individuals, for churches, for nations. Without a light, we are lost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A few years ago, there was a book uh, published you are what you eat. I don't know if you got that book, but uh, a far greater truth is you are what you read. You know, if you read a book, that stuff is going to be in your brain forever. And you can't get rid of it. It might be in your subconscious. It might be at the tip of your tongue. But you cannot get rid of it. It influences you. Sometimes you read things that are way out, far out, and you shouldn't be reading them. Uh, Sometimes it's a novel or something, and you like it, and you think, well, that's good, that's great, and all that. And we, you know, as we set it aside, we think that's over, we're going to take the next step. No, all that you read is in your brain. It's right there. Well, the direction of your life is very important. And what we read influences that, always remains a part of us for good or for evil. The story has been told of a South Sea Islander who was a guide to people that would come down there and go deep sea fishing. Uh, When people would come, this South Sea Islander would get out his Bible. He was very proud of his Bible. He'd get out his Bible and show it to the people that he was going to take fishing out in hopefully just the right places. Well, all this was going on in the 50s. An American went down there, and the guide wanted to show him his Bible, and so he held it up right in front of him and smiled real big. And the American said, uh, we have all outgrown the Bible in America. We don't uh, pay any attention to that anymore. The native 
smiled back and said, it's a good thing we haven't outgrown it. Uh, if it weren't for the Bible, you'd be on our supper plate about now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the Bible has played a great part in the development of this church and every church that is the Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church. Uh, leaders down through the years, just as we are doing today, have referred to it the sustenance and the direction of our lives. The Bible has also played a great part in shaping the ideals and determining the destiny of our nation. Those who first landed on New England's bleak shores brought with them a Bible. They all had a Bible. It was not merely an ornament to grace their first primitive home. It was the book that they read, that they believed, and that they lived. It was important. When our forefathers turned westward from the Atlantic shores to challenge the primeval forest, the towering mountains, and the broad plains of this new continent. They carried an axe and a musket and a Bible. That's what they had with them. With the axe, they carved out of the wilderness a civilization. With the musket, they protected their wives and their children. And they shot the great buffalo, of course, for food. With the Bible... They founded a nation upon the principles of justice and liberty. When you hold in your hand the scripture, you hold no ordinary book. It is the book above all other books. Some people say, oh no, I've got this book. It's meant a lot to me. Well, okay. You can think that if you want to. Uh, you know, we can't control what everybody reads. But nonetheless, the Bible's the most important book in the world. And if you read it, believe it, live it, it will change your whole destiny in a wonderful, positive way. You know, Christ came to give us an abundant life. In order to be involved in all of that, you need to read His Word. The Bible is composed of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Uh, the books were written over a period of about 1,500 years. Among the more than 45 authors that contributed to our Bible, there were apostles and exiles. There were fishermen and farmers. There were a few kings. There was a physician. There were prophets and priests and poets. There was even a tax collector that uh, wrote uh, one of the books. Well, for the most part, they were unaware that they were writing the books of the Bible. And, of course, they had no idea of the influence that that book would have throughout all the centuries. Yet under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, all of these various writings were pulled together into one volume, and that volume told a complete story. We have the plot... And we have the plan as we read the Word of God. And we know that that plot, that plan will work. 
in the lives of our neighbors, our working associates, our relatives, our friends from wherever that we interface with regularly. The only explanation for all of these books fitting together so well is that the Holy Spirit of God motivated at each juncture the people as they wrote, as the ones who decided which ones were in and which ones were out. They didn't make those decisions. The Holy Spirit did. And the Holy Spirit led them to put the right ones in and to hold the wrong ones out. The Bible makes a number of claims for its divine authorship. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, when it says all of it, it means all of it. We don't uh, say, well, you know, I don't like this too much. I, You know, that's out. Oh, I particularly don't like that chapter, and so you pull that page out. Or, oh, this is bad, this part right here. Well, nobody goes by that, so you mark that out with uh, a pen or something. Well, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. Every book, every passage, every paragraph, every word was given by God. Because the Spirit of God has been involved in the book all the way along, you can believe it. Every word of it. Every word. You can make it foundational stake for your life. The life of your family, the life of your church, the life of your nation. Efforts almost beyond belief have been given to destroy the Bible, to get rid of it. You know, you, you read the newspaper, watch TV, they're trying to take Bible verses off all the buildings. They're trying to tear down all the statues that have a Christian significance to them, trying to tear down the big crosses that you see here and there. You know, many places they have said, no, you can't put a big cross up in your Yard for crying out loud. No, you can't put a cross on your car. What in the world? We don't want that. And there are laws that are made in various places that really mess up us getting out the gospel of Christ as much as we would like to. Many have tried to keep and withhold the scripture from the common man. You know, if you read the Bible in a different language, people here in America really don't understand that. And so it's kept from the common man. Some have said, as they look closely at the pages of the Bible, they almost can see the martyr's blood upon those very pages. Many, many men have died at the burning stake because they wouldn't reject the word of God. And they tried to tell people about the story of Jesus. You remember, was it a year ago or two years ago, where those guys, those Muslim guys, carried out all these Christians, and they all had on orange shirts. Do you remember that? And they got them all in a line along the sea, and all these guys standing behind them slid all their throats at the same time, and they all dropped dead. Those people wouldn't say that they rejected Jesus. They wouldn't say that they didn't believe the Bible. And for that, they gave their lives. Well, guess what happened? Those countries increased with Christians. 
Because if those guys were willing to die for it, it must be pretty important. I need to study that. I need to know more about that. And many thousands did. Well, some have died in the dark dungeons for the same reason. On the open battlefield, giving their lives to preserve the Bible, to print it, to propagate it in a world that is filled with soul-hungry people. Many, many souls that are crying, reaching out, trying to get a Bible that they can read, that they can study, that they can master. There are more Bibles today than ever before in history. Thank God for that. I have about 25 Bibles in my uh, library, a lot of translations. I have settled in on the uh, new King James. I think I like it the best. I've been reading it, studying it for years. Uh, it's one that uh, I think you would like. Many in our world today are not as fortunate to have a bunch of Bibles. They don't have any Bibles. Some would give their hand and their arm for a paperback section of the New Testament. Now, that's the truth. They would give their hand, their arm, cut it off. You know, a lot of people around really want a Bible. I tell you what, I appreciate the Gideons so much and what they do. They go all over the world and give out tens of thousands of Bibles here and there and yonder. That's a tremendous ministry that uh, we ought to support in, a, in an important way. It is upon the Word of God that our nation was founded. It is by obeying the Word of God or by ignoring the Word of God that our nation will stand or fall. Man's power and deeds and glory are but passing novelties on the pages of time. But God's Word abides. It stays. It has not been changed. You know, some of the religions of the world, as society turns against a certain section of their Bible, they just change it. They just delete it. You know, they just take that part out. If a sentence is a real problem or a chapter is a real problem in their Bible and it's causing a lot of trouble, just take it out. Christians have never done that. We have the same Bible that was here 2,000 years ago. Same very book. It hasn't been changed. It's for all ages, for all men, for all women, for all children. It's for everybody. Amen. And it always will be. You know, they can't uh, get rid of it, the people that want to. Well, God's word abides. Always urging individuals and churches and nations to live in the right relationship to Jesus Christ. You know, we have a men's club here in town. Uh, I don't know how many are going now. I haven't been in a couple of years, but it's a big group in the big place over there. Uh, what's the name of that place where they have that? Community. A community hall over there. Big, great big area, and it would fill up for the men's club. Uh, one day, they uh, asked me to say the blessing. And so... I said, I'd love to. So I got the mic. And about that time, nationally, we had a socialist running for president. 
And uh, I, I prayed and I said, Dear Lord, help us to reject socialism at every label, at every point, at every place. Help us, Lord, to stand strong and to see that pass from our eyes in this nation. Well, when it was over, a guy came up to me and he said, I'm a socialist. I like being a socialist. You ought to be a socialist. I said, you're crazy. You're crazy. You know, Hitler was a socialist. The Soviets during the Cold War, they're all socialists. And now we have socialists trying to take over our country. You know, the Bible and socialism don't go together. You know, the main thing Hitler wanted to do is get rid of all the Bibles, get rid of all the Christians. That's what the, the socialists in Russia wanted to do during the Cold War, wanted to get rid of all that. Well, listen to the words of David Webster. See if they have a ring to them in your heart. He was a famous anti-apartheid speaker and professor. His words have, have meant a lot to me. He said, if the people do not become religious by reading the scripture, I do not know what is to become of us as a nation. If truth is not diffused, error will be. If the power of the gospel is not felt through the length and breadth of the land, anarchy and misery and corruption and darkness will reign without mitigation or end. Some people say to me, well, Ron, the Bible is so big, and I don't know where to start. I don't know anything about the Bible. What what should I do first? How do I get a handle on it? Where do I begin? When people are in the midst of difficulty, when they're on a dark and foreboding path in their life, they they don't uh, want a whole big uh, philosophical system. What they want is a short, simple, clear directive from the Word of God. I tell them to read the Gospel of John. To read the Gospel of John first. Don't don't read Leviticus first. Read the Gospel of John first. Read it and read it and read it until you master it. And when you master it, it will change your whole life, the whole direction. Of what you're about. Jesus says many times in the Gospels to the people that were just going through the motions of living, Jesus said to them in the Bible, Follow me. To men whose lives were confused, to women who were just involved in mundane things, to children who were looking for someone to love, Jesus said to them, Follow me. To individuals, to churches, to nations, the exhortation of Jesus was, Follow me. After you read all the Bible and put in order the priority items that you think uh, we ought to all emphasize, there will be none ahead of that short, simple, clear directive from the lips of Jesus. Follow me. When I was a little boy living in Chattanooga, I remember going to the show every Saturday afternoon. 
I think all the parents in that whole area took their kids because they could get rid of them for at least an hour and a half. And uh, so, I mean, it was packed. The theater was packed. Sometimes people were standing. It was so packed. Every week uh, they would show uh, some movie that they thought the kids would like. And the place would just be just piled high of screaming, yelling kids. Well, each Saturday, usually three-fourths of the time, it was a Western. And, of course, kids like Westerns. I'll never forget one show that I saw. The bad guy, toward the end of the movie, got shot. The bad guy shot the good guy. And I thought, well, this is wrong. This is just wrong. This shouldn't be. And I was getting all upset. And everybody around me was upset. I'm not sure some of them weren't crying. The good guy got shot. Well, as it moved more toward the last couple of minutes of the movie, another good guy shot the bad guy. And he fell over dead. And then what uh, uh, would happen to our wondering eyes as we looked, uh, the good guy that we thought was dead, he gets up. And he reaches in his uh, vest and pulls out a Bible, and it's got a hole in it. And, uh, of course, all these kids, we were screaming and yelling, and we liked that, how that went. You know, we thought, well, that was right. That's the way it should have ended. Well, I, I remember distinctly thinking, I'm sure glad the bad guy didn't have a Bible in his pocket. <laughs> Wanted him to be dead. As the years have passed, the clear distinctions between who are the good guys and who are the bad guys have somehow faded in my mind. It seems to me that we are all, every one of us here today, are a mixture of the good and the bad in the world. The Bible, however, has a message for every one of us, no matter where we are in our faith journey. Another thing has clarified itself in my mind. We all need a Bible. We really need a Bible. It's a matter of life and death for us. Without it, we don't know who we ought to follow. With it, we know that we should follow the Lord Jesus. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I know there's a lot of light in this room right now. But perhaps there are those in the house that have come to a very dark place in their life, and they need the light. You know, today I want to give an invitation for all of those that have been struggling with life. Maybe it has been something that's gone dramatically wrong. Maybe it's because of an illness or a death. Maybe it's because of this or that, whatever it might be. The light of the gospel is what we need. We're going to give an invitation in just a moment for those that want to trust in Christ, believe in Him, make Him the Lord of their life. For those that need a church home, we want you to come. Just slip to the aisle, slip down to the front, and take a stand for Jesus. He has really, really stood for you. He gave His life for you. You certainly should be able to stand for Him. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on you to follow the words of Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. Let's stand as we sing.